301 Theater, Homer's Community Theater, supporting community voices. Schedules and information on Pier 1 Productions at 226-2287 and pier1theater.org. This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and you are tuned to the coffee table. It is a very special coffee table. Everybody on Zoom, unmute yourselves because it's time to check in with the many people gathered today for Happy Birthday, Daisy Lee. Daisy Lee Bitter turned, ooh, 95, just a couple of weeks ago. And we're all gonna gather up together and honor her today. She is not present, but she is listening. And I would love for anyone who has a greeting or a remembrance for Daisy Lee, you're welcome to email Kathleen at kbbi.org, or you can call 907-235-7721. But let's see who is on the Zoom link. First, let's start with Cecilia Worth. Cecilia, are you there? Do you hear me? She needs to unmute herself. Oh, she is there. let's see. I'll un there. There she goes. So Cecilia Worth, are you there? Yes, I am. Good morning, Cecilia. You're, f you're uh, Zooming in from from the East Coast. I'm from California at the moment. Oh, from California. <laughs> Thanks so much. Well, New York, but I'm in New York, but I'm in California. And we have a recorded uh, tribute to play for you um, in a few minutes, but can you tell me when you met Daisy Lee? I met Daisy Lee in 2005. Um, when I, when I went to, came to Alaska, which I had wanted to do all my life, and I came in December, and Dave Boone, who was plowing, said, uh, people don't usually come to Alaska for the first time in December. So that was the beginning of being interested in people like Daisy Lee. Thanks so much. Let's check in. And how about Beth Trowbridge? 
Hello, good morning. Good morning to you. Uh, Beth, uh, thank you for being here. I think there's more than one representative from the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies, but given Daisy Lee Bitter's contribution to that organization, it's uh, it's only right that she have she be represented by many people. Can you um, can you introduce yourself and say how you know and love Daisy Lee? Well, um, I'm Beth Trowbridge, and I am the executive director at the Center for Coastal Studies. But I've been with Coastal Studies for 20 years, and um, I first met Daisy Lee when I moved to Homer in 1997, and um, and I just cannot say enough how much of an inspiration she has been and a mentor to me and how much she has been able for coastal studies to, um, to, to promote hands-on environment, environmental education, you know, starting the programs at the Peterson Bayfield Station, convincing Carl Wynn to donate the Wynn Nature Center property to us, um, serving on the board, committees. I mean, it's just amazing what she's done and she has been a mentor to me. She taught me so much botany when I was working at the Windacre Center. I just attribute my my knowledge, my plant knowledge to uh, many, many walks with Daisy Lee Bitter at the Windacre Center. Thanks, that's Beth Trowbridge from the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. Peggy Cowan, I see you on the line. Can you introduce yourself and how you know Daisy Lee? Hello, thank you so much. Um, I love Daisy Lee. I am calling in um, from Juneau at this point. And I knew J Daisy Lee when I lived in Fairbanks and she was a principal in um, Anchorage. And um, um, I too am um, in, an educator and she was such an inspiration and role model. Um, I love and am passionate about and appreciate and learn from, as you folks have, her uh, Alaska natural history and her leadership, but um, her particular impact on my life and trajectory was as an educational leader. She goes way back to the Alaska Native School in, um, in Anchorage, and, um, and at the time was um, that I worked with her was a principal of an elementary school that and she brought her students down um, to the Kenai and Homer for Sea Week and, um, and was just such a um, early leader when a lot of the educational leaders in the state were male. Um, she was a um, groundbreaker and a wonderful role model and, um, and, and, and led the way for women leadership in education and in relevant um, Alaskan specific education. So um, I am so excited that you're doing this and um, providing this tribute. Thank you. Thank you so much. That's Peggy Cowan. And I'm so glad you're here because I was feeling like we weren't gonna stress enough her, her contributions as an educator. So thank you for being present. I'm gonna skip to the phone lines because Jim Hornaday, are you on the phone? Uh, yeah, I am. I wanted to wish uh, Daisy Lee uh, a happy birthday. I know that she was very active in a lot of education and community activities. So happy birthday, Daisy Lee. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. How long have you known Daisy Lee Bitter? Oh, ever since I moved to Homer, I guess. And did you go to the famous solstice parties at her house? I think I went to one or two, yeah. <laughs> if you could, I hear I hear they were quite the party. Thank you. Yeah, she was a good party giver. Thank you so much. If there's anything else you want to say about Daisy Lee, otherwise we will send her your love. Okay, happy birthday, Daisy. Thank you, Mayor Ornaday. 
All right, back at it and back to the queue. Let's see. Rika Mao is here. Good morning, Rika Mao. Thank you, because this was all the brainchild of Rika Mao and her prodigious contact list. And uh, let me just say that if you... Uh, People, if you get recommended by Rika, people will take your call. So thanks, Rika, for putting this together. Thank you, Kathleen. Well, I created just a little letter for Daisy Lee. We met her in 1997 when we first landed in Homer. And I just wanted to, I just wrote her a letter if I could read it. It's a little over two minutes. Go um, right ahead. You go ahead. Oh, okay. Dear Daisy Lee, thank you for embracing John and me from the very beginning of our living in Homer. You enchanted me with your unique voice on the weekly Catch Met Current Spots on KBBI. I dreamed of joining you on that remarkable team with Diane and Barbara McBride, creating fascinating stories and lessons about the natural surroundings. You invited me to join in the annual ladies fall berry picking trips north of Kenai to that secret place we dared not share with the public. Those trips fill my memory of being outside with incredible women, laughter, memorable stories, camaraderie, hot tubs under the stars and everything lingonberry. You included us in your decades of hosting your annual winter solstice gatherings with neighborhood friends, even though John and I didn't live in the neighborhood. These gatherings started with the designated attitude adjustment hour with a good strong dose of alcohol in the punch bowl, followed by the sharing of delicious food each person brought to share. And then you would designate one of us to be the Santa Claus who would orchestrate the always hilarious gift exchange. Oh my God, the laughter and the photo albums you've put together over the years are wonderful documents of wonderful times. I remember the walks we took with Ed and Nina on Inspiration Ridge with Toby Tyler, who'd try to hurry you along as you stopped at every turn to talk about each plant or bird we encountered. He would mutter under his breath that you just <laughs> talked too much. I love that you honor the huge 400-year-old spruce tree near your house as the rare and noble sentient being that it is. You never hesitated to let me know if something was not right or how you felt about something, be they issues around ADA accessibility, my own failings, or the standards you expect from others. I so value your honesty and high standards. I hold you in the highest regard. I've always loved your distinct Daisy Lee laughter. We all do. You are a rare treasure. You are a gift. There is no one else like you. Thank you for being such a wonderful friend, Daisy Lee. We love you dearly. So much. That is Rika Mao. And I want to move on to Diane McBride, who I see sitting there. Just don't worry. I see you, but no one listening sees you. I promised no video. Uh, and so, Diane, if you would introduce yourself and... Uh, and say a little bit about how you know Daisy Lee. No, thank you very much. I'm so pleased to be part of this. I met her in 83, and I want to thank her for inspiring me, Alaskans of all ages, educators, students. What a role model. Uh, her cheerful enthusiasm for outdoor education 
and the relentless pursuit of environmental education for all ages. And she volunteered with the Center for Alaska Coastal Studies and the Wind Nature Center. Her positive attitude was always nature oriented. I've been honored to work with her for 35 years with KBBI Kachemak Currents and bringing the natural history of Kachemak Bay to the world. She brought nature into our homes through the radio. And she even brought Governor Jay Hammond over to Chenku Bay and led him around in the tide pools, as well as hundreds of students over the years. She was just a force. So the strong friendship she had with the Carl Wynn family brought on the creation of the Wynn Nature Center. What a wonderful experience, 12 months of the year for visitors. Most of all, I loved her contagious laugh and her laughing at her own jokes, you know, and her let's do it attitude was such a positive force for all of us. So I am proud to be here to honor Daisy Lee Bitter's birthday, 95. What a role model. Thank you. Thanks. That's Diane McBride. Now, I've still got a few more people to get to. Uh, Nina Faust, are you close by? Can you unmute and say hello and how you know Daisy Lee? Yes, I'm here. <laughs> and I am unmuted, I hope. <laughs> I don't remember exactly when I met Daisy Lee because uh, I came in 81 and I was a brand new teacher to, to the Homer High School. And I was kind of overwhelmed. But I know that over the years, she was everywhere. I mean, she was on the radio. She was at the Center for Coastal Studies. Uh, and the big picnics that the Pratt Museum had over at the, the, the lodge. And um, she was also a neighbor, but I didn't really get to know her as a neighbor until um, many years later, because actually I was living on the other side of town. But when I moved into this neighborhood, I discovered her as a rich resource for all sorts of history of the of the neighborhood. Because as uh, we, as Ed and I reached our retirement age and we were starting to think about building a preserve, I needed some information. Uh, to, and I also was making videos, and she was always a good collaborator. So we got together and made several videos together and. What inspires me is just how eclectic and how much uh, knowledge she has about so many things, not only just the homesteading history and the botany and the birds, she loved cranes. I interviewed her about the cranes in her yard and uh, made a video. So, uh, and then she also, as a, a person in her, I think in her 80s, she started a peony farm. I mean, she's incredible. It's like, talk about a lifelong learner who is not afraid to take a challenge on. And that's despite all of the health issues and accidents and things that she's had that I was just like, when I heard some of the stories about that, it's like, wow, talk about a person who epitomizes resilience and positive attitude and a can do thing. She's, she's amazing, but honestly, she's one of our local treasures and you know, Sometimes I think people don't value elders enough in the community. And when, we, when you have someone who's accomplished as much as, El, as Daisy Lee and some of the other people in our community that uh, we, we tend to forget about uh, their accomplishments, 
we really need to stop and, and give them the accolades that they deserve because people are gonna lose these folks eventually. We all are gonna pass on. And when they've made a mark like Daisy Lee and some of the others that are in her same age category, it's amazing. We, we really need to honor them. I'm, I'm a youngster compared to her. Well, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm considered an elder, but I'm a youngster compared to her. So Daisy has... Lee, happy birthday. And thank you for all of the knowledge that you have shared with me uh, in a lot of my endeavors, because you had it <laughs> and I didn't. Thanks so much. That's Nina Faust. And I'm so, I appreciate what you're saying because Daisy Lee absolutely throws herself into life with her whole body. And some, a lot of the remembrances and recordings you're going to hear talk about injuries and scrapes and breaks and, and being stuck out in places. And so she really has that adventurer spirit and she lives it every day. So thanks so much for pointing that out. I've got a couple more people I want to get to. Marie McCarty from Kachemak Heritage Land Trust. Are you? I see you there. Are you uh, ready to introduce yourself and maybe talk a little bit about Daisy Lee? I am. Uh, thank you for thank you for having this. This is a wonderful. This is wonderful to be able to honor somebody. Um, and happy birthday to Daisy Lee. Um, so I'm the executive director of Kachemak Heritage Land Trust, and I'm realizing when I'm listening to people that 1997 was a big year. That's the year I met her also. Um, and when I first started working for the Land Trust and um, I first met her when I was working with her, um, she was collecting uh, biological inventory information for one of our conservation easement properties. And her breadth of knowledge and interest um, was just amazing to me. I had, you know, I'd never met anybody like her. So when I was thinking about this over the last couple of days, I was trying to figure out a word that would capture her. And of course, there isn't one particular word, um, except the one I came up with it was sparkle. Um, and I picked that word, word because there are just very few people in the world that have that, you walk into a room and they have that spark and you, it's contagious. So that that is what, I, that's what captures me with her. She walks into a room, she brings great energy, she shares things, and all of a sudden you're excited about what she's excited about, which you weren't excited about before until she brought that passion to it. Um, so huge thanks for, to her as a founding land trust board member. Um, we're really lucky. We're the oldest land trust in the state that she went to the first board meeting of the land trust in January of 1989. Um, and people handed out little seeds uh, to share with each other as board members. And they decided that they were gonna grow a community land trust. How cool is that? Um, okay, and one other piece I wanna share with you guys is I think it's cool she's in Wikipedia. So there's that. <laughs> How many people get to be in there? Anyways. Thanks, that is Marie McCarty. And you know, if I, I have a list here and we're going to get to Gretchen Birch and uh, Millie Martin in a couple of minutes. If I were to read the pages of accolades that you have all sent me with documentation of all the people <coughs> that have honored Daisy Lee, all the prizes, all of her bibliography, we would not have time to hear from anyone because she is so accomplished. And so, but I do have, let's see, online one, Chris, are you there? 
Yes, I'm here. Yeah, thanks for taking my call. I have a little echo here. But out of breath, I'm out snowshore. It's Chris Perry. I met Conrad and Daisy Lee Bitter in the early 80s. They were some of my mentors. I, I learned a lot from them, the bird spotting, I believe. I'm not sure if Daisy Lee ever saw it, but Connie had spotted the first ruffle bottom plover and, and uh, up on the ridge. I think they're just around that part of Skyline Drive. And uh, also learned about, I think Daisy Lee is probably older than Blueboard, but uh, I had my first toilet seat. It was made out of Blueboard in my outhouse. And uh, she's a wealth of information there. So our love is with you, Daisy Lee. And happy birthday. Enjoy the sunny weather. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much. That's Chris Perry, and he has thrown the first barb of the day. She is older than Blueboard. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for that, Chris. I, I'm, I'm going to get back to some introductions, and then I'm going to start playing a few remembrances that we've recorded. But I have not yet introduced Millie Martin, who in most circles needs no introduction. But Millie, if you would introduce yourself and talk a little bit about Daisy Lee, and perhaps even knowing that she's listening, maybe even send her a personal greeting. Well, happy birthday, Daisy Lee. <laughs> I got to celebrate one, too. I know what it feels like to get a little older. Oh, yeah. 86 yesterday. Is that right? Yes, it was. Happy birthday to you, too. <laughs> I wasn't expecting quite that much, but it turned out to be a wonderful meeting at the museum, which is precious to me. In any case, I actually met Daisy Lee's husband, Connie, because I worked at Sears when it opened the store in 1966. I came up from California for that. <clears throat> that was where I met my husband, and we were married the next year. And then our first son arrived the year <clears throat> after that. And the Air Force decided to ship us to North Central Texas. So before we left, we came to Homer and found a piece of property up here on Skyline and bought that and came home to it in 1980. And I remember we went back up to Sears for supplies and I'm talking to the salesman and indicated when I had worked there and who I'd worked with. And he says, oh, he's our hard lines manager now. And so I was able to speak with him when I told him where we lived. He says, well, you've got to stop by and see Connie Bitter. <laughs> and that's how I met Daisy Lee. And she included us in those wonderful parties. The solstice party was so precious. And these last years, we were also included in the device. And I'm talking to the salesman and indicated when I had worked there and who I had worked with. And he says, oh, he's our hard lines manager now. And so I was able to speak with him when I told him where we lived. Oh, uh -oh. I think I have okay. lost you. Are you are you back, Millie? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. I'm not sure what happened there. In any case, uh, over the years, she's included us in so many things, and she's been so precious because she does have all that information and knows so much about everything. And Catchmat Currents was some was one of my favorites to listen to every week. I mean, we learned so much from her, and. That was why when she came out with her book, we were kind of hoping there'd be more in there because she told so much more. And I'm hoping that the radio station recorded many of those and has them because they're a treasure, an absolute treasure to this community. And over the past years, you know, as things kind of slowed down, they slowed down for me too. 
I know I'd want to stop by and visit with her because it's always so fascinating, but I'd have to allow at least two hours before I could get back out of there. <laughs> there was always so much to talk about. God, I love her dearly. Anyway, there was one year about 20 years ago, I managed to talk her into coming out for a hike on my property. I wanted to show off the wildflowers. It was in July. And I managed, if you ski Millie's Loop, that's the property I took her to. Anyway, we hiked up to the knoll and then we hiked down to the cottonwoods and I brought her around on the lower trail to show her the field of bog orchids that existed there. And when she come around the corner and saw that field, she was absolutely speechless. Not one word. She was just stunned. She said, Billy, in all my years in Alaska, I've never seen anything like this. This is so precious. And she was right. Of course, the, in the meantime, I am sorry to have to tell her the pushki have taken over. And I don't have the energy to get myself up there to get rid of them. But one of these days, I hope to find someone that will come up, cut them back, and fill those tubes with some Clorox and get rid of them. Because I know those precious bog orchids are still there. And they are beautiful. White and the green. Anyway, that was a precious day for me to be able to take her out there and show her that place that is so dear to me. And hers is also dear. I mean, that she went into the peony farm so late in her life uh, was amazing, too. And she, thanks to her, she saw that I, because of my term on the school board in the 80s, she wanted me to be a part of the teachers group, the Delta Kappa Gamma, and nominated me for inclusion in that group and I am an honorary member and have been for many years and I love them dearly. We have wonderful teachers in this area. Absolutely wonderful. Thanks. And oh, go ahead. I think that's enough. <laughs> well, all right. That's Millie Martin. Thank you so much. Uh, Gretchen Bursch, be ready. I'm coming to you and then we're going to get to Daisy Lee's bibliography. <clears throat> And also heads up to Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies people uh, because I want to talk about the Bitter Boardwalk and Millie's Loop and all the places that are already named for Daisy Lee Bitter. But right now on line two, I believe Carol Swartz is there. Carol, do you read me? Uh, yes. Uh, thank, thank you very much for uh, putting this show, hosting the show. Thank you, Rika, for all your efforts. Um, happy birthday, Daisy. I don't know if you remember the whirlwind you were when you would fly into my office at the Catchment Bay campus many times. And of course, I dropped what I was doing with there for about two to three hours, telling me all the wonderful environmental education programs, botany, marine biology programs, natural history that we should be doing. And of course, I asked you to uh, to help facilitate and coordinate uh, in her and your wonderful style, enthusiastic uh, laughter style. You taught. You ended up teaching many of us uh, in a classroom, field studies, uh, many many classes. I learned much of my botany of catchment day and made knowledge uh, from you, Daisy. So thank you. But you were a highlight in our elder hospital program. You taught our elder hospital program annually. Um, there were people for years later sending notes where you were the highlight uh, for what they learned while they were in Homer regarding natural history. 
So thank you for your generosity, uh, volunteering, your gifts, inspiring me. And so many of us in Homer, you were one of my many mentors for so many years. Uh, uh, you had it all. And I was thrilled that uh, you were the 1986 Homer Citizen of the Year. And, of course, many may not be aware that you were inducted into the Alaska State Women's Hall of Fame in 2015 as two of the uh, little accolades that Captain was referring to earlier. So happy birthday. Thank you for all you have done and given to us. Thanks so much. That is Carol Swartz. And I'm still seeing more coming in. Linda Frame, I just got... Uh, I just got an email to Kathleen at kbbi.org on Sea Alaska Heritage uh, letterhead saying, please pass this on to Daisy Lee. Gosh, I miss her dearly. I met Daisy Lee back in the 80s when she was an educator in the Mat Sioux. Daisy would remember the year because she remembers everything. Oh, my gosh, her memory never failed to amaze me. She had the best stories of life in Anchorage with Connie. He was a dear. I have so many fond memories of our time exploring the beaches of Kachemak Bay. I had the honor of being a teaching assistant with her at the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies in Peterson Bay for a few years. Daisy hosted many teachers at the Center in Peterson Bay. In the 1990s, I stayed at the cabin for a while in a time of transition. While there, I giggled with Daisy and Toby's Battle of the Squirrels. She was not a fan of those little critters edging out her birds on the bird feeders. So many grand memories of this tenacious, brilliant Daisy Lee. Love to you, Daisy Lee, from Linda Frame. So thanks for that, Linda Frame. And if you would like to... Oh, Roberta is on line one. Stand by, Gretchen, I'm coming for you. Oh, also, no, no worries, because we're, I'm going long. We don't have to get this all done in one hour. But let's see, Roberta, or is that Roberta Highland on line one? Yes, it is. Go ahead. And I might have a little echo. Yes, this is so wonderful. Daisy Lee uh, giving a marine biology class in 1985. We were here in 1984, and in 1985, I took that class. My jaw never went back to normal. I had never tied food in my life. And we went over to Peterson State and spent the night. At, at for the Center for Coastal Studies, and we saw the most amazing animals. I just had no idea that there was so many wonderful things under the sea and under rocks and deep the tides and these uh, the tide waits for no one. And I was so lucky I got to go do the trip to kids. Toby Tyler, Dave Bitter, Barbara Hill, Rosie Bill. It was like un- unbelievable. And I have never forgotten them, never will. And Daisy Lee's attitude, enthusiasm, knowledge, of humor, uh, something I never met before. And I just want to wish Daisy Lee a happy birthday and have lots of memories of those times. So thank you, thank you, Lee. Thank you for putting this on. Oh, sure. Sure thing, that's Roberta. Thanks, Roberta Highland. I appreciate your call. 
And so Gretchen, the wait is over. I am going to read after we've uh, introduced you a little bit from the Pioneers of Alaska in these days biography, in those days biography of Daisy Lee. But I want to get Gretchen going because I'd love to hear from you whatever you'd like to say, but also uh, you worked on a book with Daisy Lee and I got a terrific bibliography in the information that you sent. So would you like to just take it away, Gretchen Birch? Hi, thank you for letting me be on. Uh, happy, happy birthday, my dear Daisy Lee. What a marvel. Um, I had had Toby Tyler in Homer High School for math. And um, I, when I went off to college and finished my uh, degree, I ran into an old Homer High School teacher who said, if you're going to student teach in Anchorage, you need to teach under Daisy Lee. <clears throat> so in 1966-67, I taught under Daisy Lee at Romick Junior High in Anchorage Science. And oh my, I had to scramble every, every night. I had to study like a crash course. And the entree to teaching with Daisy Lee, her classroom was just alive with living things and things that, that made children curious and whatever. It was just a great entree into my own 50 years of teaching. Um, so then later, of course, I would see she be became a principal of both Fairview Elementary and Susitna. Uh, once I walked into Fairview Elementary and you could just see Daisy's hands on everything. It was, you know, ice fishing with parents and on and on that uh, a principal can uh, make the the school uh, lively because of that influence. So yes, Daisy Lee and I have been friends since all that time. That's 30 years before those of you who met her in 97. <laughs> but um, uh, I, I then uh, marveled when I was student teaching with her that we actually took kids from Homer, from Anchorage all the way to Homer to the low tide. And um, later then, um, my family homesteaded on Yukon Island and what's in the front yard on Yukon is different than what's in Peterson Bay slightly. So many times I hosted um, groups that would come to um, Yukon Island, um, including many of the names and some of you who, who are online today. So that was a marvel. Well, Speed forward to all these years later, Daisy Lee had said, you know, people had said, uh, after all the years of Ketchumac Currents, they said, um, Daisy Lee, you should write a book that has those, the best ones in it. Um, so about four years ago or five, we began to work in summers together, uh, picking the 32 chapters in this Alaska's Ketchumac Currents that finally came together. And we worked two summers on picking those chapters and I would uh, type up what she'd written and then give it to her, print it out and she would edit it and then I would go again, et cetera. So we pretty much had that together. And then in the fall of that next year, uh, we were gonna start on the illustrations, but she was in her 90s, orchestrating a high tunnel for her peony farm. 
And, uh, but January came and she ended up in the hospital with major heart attack. And people were coming to say goodbye. And, but on the fifth day, she said, wait a minute, I got to finish the book. <laughs> so, so I went into high gear. I, I found whatever photos I could find and stuck them in the book and sent the chapters to my sister, Becky and Homer, who printed them out, took it to Daisy Lee in the hospital so it would inspire her to keep going. And a month later, I went to Homer and we began, even though Dr. Bell said no visitors, well, since that's one of the reasons she was sticking around, um, I was allowed. And we began page by page to go through this. Nope, something wrong with that uh, uh, gooseneck barnacle. Well, I had grabbed a photo from Oregon. It wasn't Alaska gooseneck barnacles. Oh, no, something wrong with that puffin burrow. Uh, and, and would you go into my office and on the bottom shelf, on the right-hand side, find a book that has an orange binder uh, binding. And uh, uh, I want to double check the scientific name for this mushroom. I mean, her hands don't work anymore. And her cochlear implants uh, provide some challenge for her hearing. But her brain is just completely with it. And what a joy it was to work making this come together. It took about seven months. At one point, I had to stop and use uh, uh, YouTube to learn how to use uh, Adobe InDesign. Uh, I'm grateful for Beth Trowbridge, who became kind of a partner in this and found lots of photos. But uh, the book came together. And it was such a joy to lay that book in Daisy Lee's hands. Um, and um, those are available both for, from Amazon and from the Center for Coastal Studies, something that Daisy Lee just loved uh, to, to um, support. So um, what a pleasure all these years later to still be working with Daisy Lee on different projects. Thanks so much for letting me be part of this. Thanks, Gretchen. Stick around because I will get back to you, but there's some things you brought up. Also, Carol brought up. Everybody's talking about Daisy Lee as an educator. I'm so glad to hear it. And I just want to point out elementary school, secondary school, high school, college, elder hostel. You've the best teachers I know will look at one group or another and say, oh, I can't do junior high. Or I'll do the little kids, but I can't do the older kids. Daisy Lee could relate to anyone. And it's just everyone who wanted to learn was welcome with her. But and I might add, Kathleen, that uh, she also was involved in uh, doing um, uh, videos in the early days of instructional TV. She did a whole several series of that, including <laughs> Betty Benson, who designed the flag and all kinds. So even the cutting edge of the beginning of technology in education, there she was. Thanks so much for that. Now, there are a couple of things in the accomplishments that you sent me that, uh, so, uh, before I get to them, I want to go to just read a couple of pa uh, passages from In Those <clears throat> Days. Thanks to Tom Kazaya for copying the pages in volume one because it's out of print and, uh, and much coveted. Uh, the entries on Daisy Lee, I'm going to read a few passages. But just to remind everyone that Daisy Lee Bitter is well represented at the Homer Public Library 
in the Alaskana section and also in the top drawer collection. So it is easy to get yourself some of uh, Daisy Lee's work and read it. But uh, this is from In Those Days, put out by the Pioneers of Alaska. Uh, so here are just a few things. The oldest of four children of Clara and Hans Anderson. Daisy Lee was born on a farm near Selma in the San Joaquin Valley, January 12th, 1928. Before she entered school, she was driving a team of mules while her parents loaded heavy boxes of fruit onto a vineyard truck. And the family worked a gold mining claim in the Sierra Nevadas during the winter. All four of uh, the kids... She and her brothers and sisters put themselves through college and went on to earn degrees. In 1953, Daisy Lee Bitter graduated summa cum laude from Fresno State College. She married Conrad Bitter in 1948. One of the things that's listed in here is uh, a 58-pound king salmon after a two-hour battle in Cook Inlet on a 20-pound test line. And... Uh, I hear, I think, I think I've got from Gretchen's that for a while she held the record for the biggest king caught in the state. Uh, and in the 60s, organizing flying field trips to Kachemak Bay in DC-3s for Anchorage Secondary School students. Also from the Matt, from Matt Sue students, the Anchorage Boarding Home Program, where she was education coordinator. She organized the Native Students Speakers Bureau, for with Anupiat and Yupik language workshops. She was principal at Susitna School. And after 32 years in education, Conrad and Daisy Lee built a home overlooking Kachemak Bay on part of the Woodman Homestead, which they bought in the 50s. She was president of the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. She's been on the Homer Found. She was, I think, a founding member of the Homer Foundation. There's there are rotary stories to tell you about. The birders love her. The gardeners love her. She uh, I even somewhere in here I've got her teaching dancing to the ski club. So there is so much to learn about Daisy Lee Bitter. I wanted to ask you. Although that's on yours, uh, Gretchen Birch. Everybody on Zoom, take eight minutes because I want to go ahead and start playing some of these recorded messages. Here's the one from Cecilia Worth that she has recorded for us, and it was written on the occasion of Daisy Lee's 90th birthday. Daisy Lee Bitter, an essay for her 90th birthday. The first time I saw Daisy Lee Bitter, I knew she was extraordinary. As a newcomer to Homer, to Alaska, in fact, my immediate act after moving into a house available just for the winter, was to join the Homer's writers group. During my initial meetings, Daisy Lee was the mysterious absentee member of the group. She had gone outside to have back surgery. She was, I learned, in her 70s. Admiring comments suggested that she could hold her own under any circumstances. Still, back surgery. I pictured crippling physical handicaps. One day, the front door swung open and a scratchy voice, full-bodied and vigorous, called out, hello, everyone. Midst applause, slowly, confidently, head up, eyes taking in each individual, a tall, broadly smiling woman entered the room, hand on a cane that clearly offered itself as a temporary accessory. 
I had the impression of a famous person returned from the wars. One thing above all else drew my attention, swept back from her forehead an abundance of purple-hued hair, the rich, deep purple of anemones or wild lupin, Daisy Lee's signature color. A year later, when I circulated notices for a place to live, running water not necessary but must have a wood stove and a view, Daisy Lee emailed me, I have a cabin you might like to look at. Do you have snowshoes? In that spring of 2006, the April snow lay thigh deep. What elated me was not only Daisy Lee's readiness to accommodate someone, me, as yet unproven, but also her resourcefulness and innovative thinking. Here was a person with whom I might feel free to be my truest barrier-breaking, adventure-seeking persona. The structure that Daisy Lee and her husband had hand-built years ago answered my description perfectly, including a wood stove and a vista of Catchmack Bay and Kenai Mountains seen through a swath of picture windows, audacious in a cabin. Because the cabin was indeed waterless, Daisy Lee offered me the use of a bathroom at one end of her house, reached by an outdoor staircase. In that room, Daisy Lee and I left each other newspaper clippings and notes propped on the sink, pages torn from magazines. This might interest you, written in her large, distinctive script that reflected her determination to triumph over arthritis and an unfortunate surgery on one hand. One morning, while I was in Daisy Lee's bathroom, the sound of marching feet approached. Opening the door, I beheld Daisy Lee and her friend Barbara Hill. There they stood, grinning, waving the anchorage paper, a bottle of champagne, and three crystal flutes pressed to their chests. My story had won a competition. Who but Daisy Lee would have thought to raise an exuberant toast in a bathroom featuring a purple shower curtain? Daisy Lee and I were night owls. From our two domiciles, each of us could glimpse windows set below our mutual roof lines. At midnight, my phone would ring. I see your light. What are you doing up so late? Are you writing? Or I'd dial her. Are you watching the moon rise above the mountain peaks? Or midday from her, a young bull moose unfamiliar to me is headed your way. Be cautious if you step outside. Over tea, Daisy Lee and I had many conversations about many topics. Her vast fund of knowledge regarding the natural world was a treasure for me. We traded opinions on every possible subject, vigorous and forthright, with curiosity and humor. What a pleasure it was to be myself without apology. I admired Daisy Lee's zeal for research, for educating herself about her personal well-being and health, for conquering trials and tribulations with practicality and good sense. When a black bear pushed open the front door of her house and ambled into the hallway, and the Homer News reported Daisy Lee as calling out, shoo, shoo. She was rightfully indignant. 
I would never say anything so silly, she scoffed. I shouted, get out of here, and the bear obeyed immediately. On the evening that Daisy Lee drove into the clearing behind the cabin while I was cooking supper and rolling down her car window announced, I always said I would never be one of those old ladies who broke her hip. I realized more than ever her uncompromising courage and determination to take hold of every challenge. In this case, a situation that threatened her life. That evening, with night coming on, when she fell hauling heavy items over the tailgate of her car, she knew that she was in trouble. She was fully aware that she could lie on the ground until morning. The car parked behind her house, invisible to anyone out front, the pain telling her that her hip was broken. She described how she hoisted herself to a semi-standing position, slowly, cautiously, pain radiating with every movement, and using the side of the car for support, hand over hand, inched her way to the driver's seat, climbed in, and drove for help. What would you have done had I not been home? I asked her. Driven around until I found someone, was her reply. Giving up was not a term in Daisy Lee's vocabulary. For me, Daisy Lee's insistence on living life to the fullest was a light in the dark. When I left Homer and Daisy Lee's cabin for the last time, I took with me a card on which she wrote, it isn't clairvoyance or mental telepathy or quick notes or recycled papers or an impulsive phone call to inform of a natural event or notable wildlife. I shall miss you, Cecilia. I could not then have forecast intent on the adventure of driving across Canada to my family in New York, how deeply I would miss the companionship of this intrepid voyager. I had always dreamed of going beyond the limitations endorsed by my carefully conservative back east upbringing. Daisy Lee's example grounds me when I need a reminder of how best to lead my life. Oh, how wonderful. Thank you so much, Cecilia Wirth, for recording that. And, you know, we have been talking about Daisy Lee for a solid 50 minutes now. I think it's time we start hearing from Daisy Lee. So we've got educator, gardener, birder, scientist, dancer, homesteader, all of this add to that poet because here is a Catchamac Currents episode from 2005 and I'll just let Daisy Lee explain it to you. This is Daisy Lee Bitter, a volunteer for KBBI and the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. A couple weeks ago, I got really brave, enrolled in a poetry class and wrote a poem. Hybrid Habitat, the lure of the ebbing tide magnetized me toward the deserted realm. That intertidal ribbon of shore trespassed like a tug of war between land and sea. That hybrid space scoured naked in by perpetual receding tides. A land and sea chameleon 
Half time it's immersed, half time it's bare, a geographical hybrid. The salty cries of seagulls welcome me, a whisper of mist refreshes my face. The sterile smell is as invigorating as a sauna. My breath dances in and out to the rhythm of the westerly wind which tickles the sea surface into chuckling ripples. Worries hitchhike away on the current. But this intertidal seashore tortures its tenants with Earth's harshest habitat. A smorgasbord of invertebrates subsists on the edge of survival when the saline waters abandon them, left to dry out and without food. Purplish periwinkles, deprived of moisture the longest, slam their trapdoors shut to prevent desiccation. Green sea urchins huddle in damp hollows. Spider-like brittle stars wiggle under cobbles. Ripped-off algae languish on the gravel. Browns, greens, and reds will dry and die where the tide deserted them in the wind and hot sun. A giant pinwheel pycnopodia sea star stranded high above the low tide boundary will die if the sun burns hot and the winds blow dry. Its relative, the small hexastus star, Clinging neath a boulder as if nailed there, broods the next generation beneath it. Clams, immune from drying out in their subterranean sanctuary, seem to boast their safety by squirting what has been deprived from the others by transforming the substrate into an intertidal sprinkler system. The tide makes a U-turn and floods in, dancing like the foam of champagne just uncorked. As barnacles open their plates to sweep in nourishing plankton from the returning sea, they create a seaside symphony of clicking marine castanets. The sea has reclaimed the property it relinquished just six hours ago an exhibition of Earth's cyclic phenomenon in response to the moon and the sun. When did these marine creatures evolve these survival techniques? Had I been hiking along a Pleistocene path? This conveys some of my feelings about being thankful that I live in a place so rich in natural values with awesome scenery and a community of people who really care. Catramat Currents can be heard every Saturday morning at 9. This is Daisy Lee Bitter. Well, just a correction. In those days, it was 9 a.m. I believe it's 9.35 now, the Catramat Currents runs. And that's where I met Daisy Lee as she strolled in with another catch episode of Catramat Currents for me to record and started inviting me to the Christmas bird count and to the garden club and to whatever else was going on. So we're just about to the top of the hour, and although I am going to play all of the recordings that I have, I want to check in with the panelists on Zoom. If anyone there needs to get off and go on with their day, I only asked for an hour of your time, then uh, go if you'd like to say goodbye or have any other messages for Daisy Lee, if you have to go, 
then jump in right now. This is your moment. Otherwise, I'm going to play Marilyn Sigmund's recorded remembrance, and then I'm going to start asking about uh, Coastal Studies stuff, if anybody's in for that. But is there anybody who needs to leave and wants to say, make any final comments? Oh, we're all together then. All right. So next, since we just uh, heard a Catchamac Currents, I would like to play Marilyn Sigmund's Remembrance, and then we're going to check back in with the panel and see what you might like to add about Daisy Lee's contributions to how we all experience the natural world here in Homer. Here's Marilyn Sigmund. Happy birthday, Daisy Lee. It's Marilyn. I'm so glad to have this opportunity to thank you for changing my life the lives of so many people of all ages that you led on field trips. No one ever walked away without discovering something new, and something marvelous, and learning what a strange and interesting place a beach could be if you just turned over the rocks very carefully and then put them back gently. We learned from you that it was a place where we could have fun. We might just find something kind of icky to eat if we really needed to. I'm sure I would never have become an environmental educator if I hadn't been in one of your teacher workshops at the field station, and certainly not a marine educator if I hadn't gone on a field trip with you. The one that really got me was the one you led during a librarian's conference in Homer, during what I learned later was a record cold January. But you still made it fascinating with your knowledge and your enthusiasm, despite my really, really, really cold feet. I thank you for being the pioneer who laid down a path that I and other educators could follow. As a teacher who took your students on low tide beach field trips, even if it required chartering an airplane that could make beach landings to do it, in your cultural sensitivity to the indigenous students you taught as director of the Native Education Program in Anchorage, and in the development of the Peterson Bay Field Station, now famous sleepover education programs that got Alaskan kids outside and connected to nature. The best part was that learning the names of the critters and the plants was important, but never the end of it. Rather than names were the starting points to learn about adaptation and food webs and other types of weird and interesting ecological relationships, such as why did that worm hang out near the mouth of a sea star and why we should leave the snail shells on the beach so they might become homes for hermit crabs. I'm so glad that your work has been recognized by so many well-deserved awards. I remember the moment in your hot tub after a lovely dinner and conversation when I decided I might be able to do the job of executive director of the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies with your support and wise counsel that you always gave me so generously. I especially treasure working with you in the early stages of Wind Nature Center. According to the vision that you and Carl Wynn developed together for a place where so many people have since enjoyed the beautiful wildflowers and learned their names or had a peaceful moment on the Elliott Fisher platform, looking out over the meadow into the mountains across the bay. And as a place where wildlife, from moose to bears to porcupines to warblers and sparrows and butterflies could find refuge and continue to thrive. I learn something new every time I open up your book. Your generous gifts of volunteer time your community building talents, your knowledge and enthusiasm for learning have made my life so much richer and Homer a better community in so many ways. Most especially, you made tide pooling, forest walks, and stewardship 
of our beaches, forests, and meadows fun and even cool. Your Catch Matt Currents programs have even shown me how to say what I want to say on the radio in under four minutes. So my birthday wishes and a heartfelt thanks to you, Daisy Lee. Thanks. That's Marilyn Sigmund. Now I'm going to go in. Beth Trowbridge, be on alert because I'm coming for you. But Janet Klein is on line one, I believe. Janet, do you read me? I do, Kathleen. Go ahead. Go Uh, ahead. Happy birthday, Daisy Lee. Oh, I'm getting an echo. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I don't know how to fix that for you. Stand by. How about now? Okay, well, let me see. So Daisy Lee and I met in the early 1980s when we were both volunteers at the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. And I would talk to students about archaeology, and then we'd go down to the tide pools in China Poop Bay, where she would uh, introduce students to the tide pools. And I remember this was all new to me. i not raised in a coastal environment. And she would be identifying, describing, and talking about the life histories of these invertebrates and I remember occasionally she would point to one and she would call it a lever right. And then we'd move over somewhere else and she would call another one a lever right. But these were two different invertebrates she was calling the same name. And it took me and probably many other people to realize that lever right meant leave her right there. Leave the animal in the tide pool. Leave her right there. Don't disturb that animal. And I've never forgotten that. And um, the tide pool life was so important that my daughter went on to get her degree in uh, marine biology at Humboldt. And she has now taught her young sons um, much of what Daisy Lee taught my daughter and myself in the tide pools. And my grandsons can walk into a tide pool and say, there's a Pycnopodia helianthoides. And that comes directly from you, Daisy Lee, down the line. And it's continuing. Um, Daisy Lee and I also shared many passions. We were both passionate about George Steller, uh, about hoary marmots, and we would have long conversations about the natural history of plants and animals in this area. And um, I just want to wish you a most wonderful birthday. And all these tributes to you, Daisy Lee, speak so well. And um, I just add my kudos and love with everybody else's thanks bye-bye thanks that's janet klein and now i have a new word in my lexicon lever rights now i know what lever rights are and uh beth trowbridge are you there i would like to talk a little bit more about things like bitter boardwalk and millie's loop and and her contributions to the wind nature center are you ready for that I'm ready for that. Uh, so Daisy Lee uh, was instrumental in getting in convincing Carl Wynn to donate the property up on the hill, um, his property, and have it become the Wynn Nature Center. And it was because of her and Connie's, you know, great relationship with Carl when they would come up. And uh, one thing that I did want to say is there. So there is a bench up at the Wynn Nature Center. Um, it's the Connie's uh, bench and it sits on a place on the Moose Meander Loop that um, looks out over Catchmack Bay and Daisy Lee had that specific spot picked out for this bench to honor Connie because that's where uh, he and Carl would would stand and look out over Catchmack Bay and you know talk about um, how much they 
you know, love the wildlife and um, the habitat and, and being there. So uh, anyway, that's a pretty special bend. And uh, the cabin is um, the Daisy Lee Bitter cabin. And um, it's named after her that's up at the um, uh, Wind Nature Center. And the other thing is that Daisy Lee was always a champion for accessibility. So, you know, it was really important to her to have a handicap accessible boardwalk that went across uh, around the cabin. Um, and also uh, one of the first projects that I worked on with her when I was working at the Wind Nature Center was a, um, a trail for the visually impaired. She, that was just, she was always a champion for um, accessibility and making uh, enjoyment of nature accessible uh, to, to everyone and anyone. Um, I don't, oh, I don't know much about Millie's loop. That's, um, that's Millie's, uh, on Millie's property. So I'm not, she might be able to answer to that, but I do remember going on the walk to find the, um, bog orchids, uh, with them. It's really pretty special. Um, what else? Well, I want to see if I can bring Gretchen Bursch in. Let's see, Gretchen, I don't know if you can hear me. Uh, so let's see, what if you, I think you can't hear me speak, Gretchen, <laughs> if you want to add something. I'm not sure how I lost you. Uh, but I will take this moment to say you are tuned to listener-supported public radio. This is K201AO Seward 88.1 FM and KBBI Homer AM 890. Gretchen, do you read me? Oh, I think I've lost Gretchen, I'm sorry to say. Maybe uh, I'll ask her. I'm gonna play another Remembrance. We Here's something that we have not touched upon yet. Uh, you thought you knew everything about Daisy Lee Bitter, but uh, Peggy Ellen Kleinleiter has a Remembrance that she recorded yesterday. So I'm gonna play that and see if I can't get Gretchen back. Daisy Lee intimidated me when I first met her. It was the late 80s. I was a new nurse at SPH with type 1 diabetes, and I was helping with a support group for people with diabetes. I was struggling with my own diabetes, and I was mistrustful of the technology for managing it. Daisy Lee bowled me over with her enthusiasm for insulin pumps, and the new, smaller, faster blood glucose meters. In time, she became a role model for me. Daisy Lee told me about the Jocelyn Diabetes Research Center and their medalist program for people who have lived with type 1 diabetes for 75 years or more. We planned to go to Boston together a couple years ago so she could get her 75-year medal. Unfortunately, we weren't able to make the trip. Still... Medal or no medal, 75 years with diabetes is quite an accomplishment. My mother actually met Daisy Lee over 30 years before I did. They were both teachers taking summer classes in education at the University of Alaska in Fairbanks in 1956. Mom and Daisy Lee and a couple of other women students liked to take off on the weekends and go exploring, camping and picking berries. They got in trouble for completely taking over the dorm kitchen with their jam-making activities. When my mother visited Daisy Lee and Homer, they liked to talk about 
the most dangerous thing we did. They had driven the gravel road to Circle in August and got there after dark. We were trying to find a flat place to lay out our sleeping bags. Just your sleeping bags? No tents? I asked. No tents, Mom said. We finally found a flat area and settled down for the night, Daisy Lee said. When we woke up the next day, we realized we were spread out on the airfield. Happy birthday, Daisy Lee. Thank you for being who you are, bigger than life and wonderful. Thanks. That's Peggy Ellen Klein letter. And Gretchen, do I have you back? Do you read me? Yes, I do. Thank you very much. Well, if there's anything that's on your list that you'd like to add, uh, then go ahead and then I'll be calling on everybody for final comments before I play my last couple of uh, recordings. But Gretchen, what have we left out? Because there are so, there's so much to tell. Only that it is just amazing to think how many a variety of educational experiences she's done. I also have been involved from with her in everything from boarding home program to junior high to as a principal to uh, elder hostel to hosting people in my front yard on led by Daisy Lee on Yukon Island. Um, and just watching her, I served on the board of Center for Coastal Studies for some years and watching her be involved in all of that. It's just a marvel. And thank you, Rika, for uh, orchestrating this tribute to Daisy Lee. What fun to be able to tell her how much she has meant to all of us in this community. Thank you. Thanks so much. I really appreciate that, Gretchen. That's Gretchen Birch. I am going to play one more recording that I made last night at Millie Martin's birthday party, which was actually the patron of the Pratt Society <laughs> gathering and meeting. And Eleanor Klingel was there. At 92 years old, she is a contemporary and old friend of Daisy Lee's, and I'm going to let her tell it. Here is Eleanor, last night at the Pratt. Hi, Daisy Lee. This is Eleanor Klingel. This is a very special uh, time to remember you, and uh, I think back when we were both teaching at Wendler Junior High, and I really got to know you when uh, my daughter needed a science project and I went to your home and you supplied her with lots of wonderful shells from Kachemak Bay and that really turned her on and she she loved that and we eventually end up living down here. We're about half a mile down the road and uh, you've been a wonderful neighbor. Happy birthday Daisy Lee and uh, we look forward to good times together. That's Eleanor Klingel, recorded last night at the Pratt Museum. And there is one more recording, and then be on guard, everyone, because then I'm going to call for any final comments that you might like to share. So this is Gary Lyon, and I got to know Gary because of Daisy Lee introducing me to the birders. And then the birders came in and started recording at KBBI, and so here's Gary Lyon, who recorded it at home and sent this in. Hi, Daisy. This is Gary Lyon. Happy 95th birthday. This is quite an accomplishment for you. Really amazing in my view. 
Terry and I have had many fond memories of your annual solstice slash Christmas parties at your house. We love to see old friends and visit, tell stories and, and jokes. You're always such a delightful host, full of stories and, and old memories and, and even fresh memories. We've looked forward to it every year. You might remember one year not that long ago that Terry and I made, oh, I guess you'd call it a cutout poster of Monica Lewinsky. It, it had a face cut out, and you could put your own face in it. It was very funny, but Toby Tyler put it on, put his face on it, and it just brought down the house. It was so, so funny, and we see photos of that even now that was hilarious those get-togethers uh they made the year for us i think there was so much fun there and the wonderful company and the great food that everybody brought and the hilarious gift exchanges that was really really fun we feel fortunate to have had you as our neighbor all these years and so thank you and again, congratulations on reaching this milestone of 95 years old. It's just wonderful, Daisy. We also appreciate you for being who you are. We love you, Daisy. Take care. And that's from Gary Lyon. Thanks so much. So on alert, Celia Worth, Peggy Cowan, and Marie McCarty, I'll be coming for you in just a moment to ask if you'd like to add anything. But here's a written Remembrance from Steve Yoshida, because we haven't even talked about Rotary. So it was a long, here's, this came from Steve Yoshida. It was a long and dusty road to a village in central Kamchatka. Middle of nowhere, I had invited many dignitaries from Alaska, Taiwan, California, and Hawaii to charter a new Rotary Club in Esso, a 10-hour drive from the airport city of Yelisovo. The bus had broken down as usual, so Yelisova Rotarians substituted an old military van at the last minute. Not a good choice, but the only option. Dust poured out on the floor, suffocating passengers. Luggage piled high in the back seat, threatened to fall on our heads. Daisy Lee recalls that a Russian lady plunked herself down next to her, and as the van took sharp turns, the two would roll over one another, roaring with laughter. By the end of the long ordeal, Daisy Lee and the Russian lady had become fast friends. Humor and adventure overcomes adversity. And that comes from Steve Yoshida. Now I want to go to Cecilia Worth. Do you have any uh, final greetings that you'd like to send? Um, I would say thank you for, uh, for, for including me very much. And, and happy birthday to Daisy Lee. Um, the thing that, um, as a nurse, I was always impressed when I lived next door to Daisy Lee for those seven years by the way that she managed her diabetes. You know, she had a pump that was inserted in her abdomen and she could read her sugar levels anytime she wanted. She could deal with what she was eating with insulin, uh, all of that. Um, and she was, seemed to be very offhand but, but superbly um, unknowledgeable. And I think honestly, she knew more than any of her doctors uh, about managing her diabetes. Uh, that was tremendously impressive to me. And one of the ways that she was really a pioneer and, um, and very, very proud of herself as she well should have been. 
So thank you for that. And my best to Daisy Lee and lots of love. Thank you so much. That is Cecilia Worth. Gretchen has her hand raised. Gretchen, are you, do you need to come back in before I get to Peggy Cowan? I just wanted to add to what she just said that a real champion in this whole uh, last several years is Daisy Lee's son, Tim Bitter. He literally has stopped his whole life and has become her full-time caregiver. And uh, because it, uh, diabetes is particular, it's very hard to find somebody to step in. And I just wanna applaud him. I think Daisy Lee is with us uh, still because of Tim's dedication to her. Thank you. Oh, thanks so much. That's Gretchen Birch. Uh, you know, I did speak to Tim Bitter and invited him to be on, but uh, he said that uh, he was pretty sure that Daisy Lee had heard enough from him and that he wanted to give yield the floor to everyone else. So Peggy Cowan, are you? would you like to say anything? And then Diane McBride and then Millie. Go ahead, Peggy. Uh yeah, thank you so much. Happy birthday, Daisy Lee. Um, thank you, Gretchen, for um, reminding us. And thank you. Thanks to Tim and all of those who are, have been close to Daisy Lee um, and supported her. Those of us from afar have not been able to do so so personally. But that's one thing I want to remind people. This has been a wonderful tribute for, to her whole life and the many places and geography of Alaska. Um, but in particular, um, Homer, which is just so appropriate because it's place-based. But I can't emphasize enough the influence she has had on the state of Alaska. And we just want to end with that. Um, the Alaska Woman of the Year, I actually flew down from Barrow at the time so I could be there to watch her receive that because it was so well um, deserving. So thanks for those who nominated her. And just want to reiterate what not only for me personally, but what, um, what a leader and role model she has been for um, women in Alaska. And at a time um, when, um, when, it, when it was a challenge to be a leader and a woman. So, um, and continued with it. Thank you so much. And thanks for including me. Thanks. That's Peggy Callen. How about Diane McBride? Is there, do you have any final comments you'd like to add? Oh, you're muted. You'll have to unmute yourself, Diane. There you okay, go. Okay, there I am. Go thank you, it. Kathleen. And I want to say thank you to KBBI and Josh and, and yourself, Kathleen, Rika, all of the nonprofits that existed that Daisy Lee got involved with. Um, she attended all of the writers' conferences uh, in Homer. She became very involved in writing. Uh, you know, she just spread herself every direction and totally believed in volunteering. So Homer is a community where we can volunteer and it makes a difference. And I just say, Daisy Lee, thank you for making a difference in yeah. all of our lives. You are an exceptional Homeroid. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Thanks, that's Diane McBride. Now uh, I'm going to Millie Martin and then I'm gonna be looking for Nina Faust and Marie McCarty. So Millie, is there anything you'd like to add? I would. <laughs> I had to run upstairs to hear that, you know, I'm hard of hearing and every once in a while I have a little difficulty <laughs> run upstairs to get the radio. In any case, I am thrilled that Tim has taken over her care. He is looking after her so wonderfully. And the one person that's missing today is Karen Northrup. Uh, she adopted Karen 
when Karen came up here and Karen stayed with me as well. And I will never forget when Karen met Doug Reed. She'd gone, she'd been urged to go meet him. And she reluctantly went to go and meet him. And she was still with him in the evening when we met for a Pier One performance. So in any case, Daisy Lee offered to let her use her home to be married when the weather prevented them from getting married on a mountaintop like they wanted to do. And she did such a beautiful job of it, bless Daisy. She would do that. Anyway, I'm grateful to Tim for what he's done for her. After her 90th birthday, I don't know if you recall, she had that wonderful celebration out in, at Lamb's End. And she had already had a physical problem she needed to see the doctor with, but she wouldn't go. She was afraid he was going to put her in the hospital, which he eventually did when she did finally go. And she did have to have surgery. And she was there for, I think, almost two months in the recovery. In any case, when she finally got home, she told me, she said, Millie, I'm going to live to 100. And she's working on it. <laughs> Happy birthday, Daisy Lee. God knows I've missed you terribly. <laughs> Thank, thanks so much. That's Millie Martin. Next to Nina Faust and then Marie McCarty. Go ahead, Nina. Thank you. And happy birthday, Daisy Lee Bitter. Uh, I think it's wonderful that we have such role models in our community. And I think we need to cherish every one of our elders that have contributed so well to the making of Homer. Without people who work as tireless volunteers in our nonprofit communities, there's a lot that would be different in Homer if we didn't have that happening. So I think it's really important that we give credit to those who've worked so hard to make the nonprofit community such a strong part of our community and to cherish and utilize their skills and follow in their footsteps. Get out there and be involved in the community in helping to keep Homer on track to being one of the most beautiful and best places to live in the whole state, I think. Anyway, happy birthday to you, uh, Daisy. And I'm sorry I haven't been over there, but it's so difficult during the winter when you've got, I've got a big preserve to take care of. <laughs> well, I, that's one of the reasons I so appreciate that all of you made yourselves available on Zoom today. It's how we can connect. So thanks so much. That's Nina Faust and Marie McCarty, then Beth Trowbridge. I just have a quick, quick story. Um, in the 90s, the Land Trust was put, put together some radio pieces for KBBI explaining what we do and telling stories and stuff. And uh, Barb Seaman and I sat down to try to think of who in the community would be the best voices for the recordings. And of course, it was Daisy Lee, right? That she, Her voice is one that captures the community and it's so recognizable and everybody knew her. So it was her and Gary Thomas, another super recognizable voice. And so it was a huge honor for them to do the radio recordings and knowing that we all know their voices. So anyways, they, it, um, and I also wanted to mention that I thank you to everybody for participating and for your KBBI listeners. Um, Cause it's just really where we get to celebrate together as a community. It's been complicated over the last bunch of years, and it's an honor and a gift to the community to be able to take the time to celebrate. 
It's just usually it's often it's bad news and stuff. And so this is this is really wonderful. So thanks to the radio station and, and Rika for pulling this off. Appreciate it. Thanks. That's Marie McCarty from Catchamac Heritage Land Trust, Beth Trowbridge. And then I'm going to call on Rika. Go ahead, Beth. Well, um, this has just been uh, amazing. And it, the more I, I mean, I, I thought I knew Daisy Lee pretty well, but the more the stories that I hear and um, just kind of thinking about all the ways that she's touched so many lives, it's just amazing. And I'm so appreciative for what she's done with Tulsa Studies and me. But the one thing that hasn't been mentioned that I was remiss in mentioning is, um, you know, Daisy Lee started the very first Coast Walk in 1983. And, and when you talk about, um, you know, stewardship, that was one of, you know, her, her ways of uh, taking action to get people out on the beaches and clean up. And initially in that, those early days, it was like removing vehicles and big things like that. But she was, she, she got that going. And I think it was a group of, you know, five or six volunteers, so correct me, but um, uh, that went out and did that. And, um, and, and we're still doing Coast Walk. I mean, we're still taking care of Catchmack Bay and cleaning Catchmack Bay. We're 39 years this last um, fall. And so, you know, just the ways that she just knew and just volunteered and wanted to make things happen. It's just so inspiring. And um, yeah, so I love you, Daisy Lee. You're my hero. And uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be able to celebrate, um, celebrate you today. Thanks. That's Beth Trowbridge from Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. Uh, Gretchen and Rika, I'm coming for you in just a moment, but it looks like there's someone online too. Hey, do you read me? This is KBBI on Coffee Table. Go ahead. Go ahead. Who's holding? Okay. So yeah, go ahead. This is, this is Jane Middleton. Um, I'm calling to wish happy birthday to Daisy Lee. Thank you so much. How do you know Daisy Lee? Well, I worked with her as a teacher many, many, many years ago, and also for many years. <laughs> we worked at the uh, Center for Coastal Studies together. Oh, wonderful. Well, thank you for calling in. Is there anything you'd like to tell uh, to speak to Daisy Lee? She'll be listening. Well, I'm sure, I hope she's listening, um, but um, happy birthday, Daisy Lee, and um, may I say many more. Um, it's just good to hear that you're celebrating your 100th. Oh, it's uh, 95. Don't put it on her yet. She's going to get there, but oh, we're not there yet. 95. <laughs> okay. What, a, what an infant she is. And, <laughs> Thanks. Uh, maybe I'll catch up with her yet. Okay. <laughs> Thank you, Jane. Thanks for calling. That's Jane Middleton. And... Is there someone online, too? I don't think so. If I missed you, you're welcome to call back, and I'll be on top of it. So, uh, Gretchen, is there anything you'd like to add as a last comment? Nothing further except to say, uh, isn't this a great testimony to uh, all of the ways that she has touched so many lives? I just loved nominating her and getting her into the Alaska Women's Hall of Fame. And um, it's just uh, inspiring uh, what love we all have. And I'm just blessed to have had a friendship with her for more than 50 years, 60 years, really. So thank you, Daisy Lee. You're just the greatest. Thank you. That's Gretchen Birch. 
And uh, I have an email from Shanna Loshbaugh, historian and Homerite, lived in and out of Homer for 40 years. She's, she mm. writes, the last time I really got to talk with Daisy Lee was about a decade ago when, by serendipity, we crossed paths in the Seattle airport. We both had long layovers and ended up having lunch together at a SeaTac cafe. My family always enjoyed Kachemak Currents and benefited from the programs she fostered. Daisy Lee has always been a force of nature and a force for nature. Thank you, Daisy Lee, and happy birthday. And that comes from Shanna Lossbaugh. Uh, Rika Mel, I don't think I've uh, put you back on. Is there anything you would like to add or any final comments or just a wish for Daisy Lee? Well, I just want to thank all of you for tuning in. This has been so rich for me. Uh, it's just been incredible. Kathleen, thank you for being willing to do this. And KBBI, it's so, so, KBBI is central to our lives. And all of you, it's just been thrilling. And I just want to say that from my office, I can see Daisy Lee's house. And it's this beautiful sunny day out there. And I am looking straight at Daisy Lee. And I want to tell you, Daisy, that you have changed John's in my life. You have enriched us so much more than you could ever, ever imagine. Right. Um, you're iconic in my life. And I, I just miss seeing you. It's just like Nina. It's just really hard to come up and visit. And COVID has made that nearly impossible. And I want to thank Tim so much for changing his life and being there for you. Um, yeah. You raised him well. <laughs> and he always answers the phone when I call. He's always straightforward with how is your mom doing? And you tell me every time, she's doing okay. <laughs> so thank you so much. It has been such a rich hour plus and thank you. I'm just overwhelmed, overwhelmed. Thanks, that's great. you dearly, Daisy. That's, bye bye. That's Rika Mal. Uh, last call, everybody, because I have one more old Catchamac Currents. This one from 2009 to let Daisy Lee talk, uh, have the last word. But is there anything else that anyone would like to add before I go for Daisy Lee? All right, then. Uh, thank you to all the guests, all the callers, everyone who wrote uh, an email or sent a recording. Here is Daisy Lee Bitter in 2009 on Catchamac Currents, letting everybody know about animals that winter in Homer. Welcome to Catchamac Currents. This is Daisy Lee Bitter, a volunteer for KBBI and the Center for Alaskan Coastal Studies. Frost last Tuesday and trees transforming to gold are visual botanical proofs that fall is here. But what are the Alaskan animals doing? How do migratory birds prepare for winter? They migrate. In fact, earlier this week, the sandhill cranes augured up to catch thermals, which aid their flight south for the winter. Little brown bats, which are flying mammals, haven't adapted to our winter, so they head south too. Most robins and thrushes have already left. Resident songbirds like the white-winged crossbill, pine grosbeak, and the dark-eyed junco are such a delight at our winter bird feeders. They brave our cold winters by finding shelter in deadfalls or in the hollows of trees. 
Scientists believe that black-capped chickadees set up dorms inside downed trees nesting together to keep warm. Bohemian waxwings are making surveillance flights searching for bushes of juicy berries. Like bears and other birds, waxwings and small mammals spread berry seeds by passing them in their scat. When the berries are gone, they shift to loftier menu. How do they seem to know that mountain ash trees will hold their fruit all winter unless they and the pine grosbeaks or winter storms rip them off? I enjoy watching snowshoe hares, willow ptarmigan, ermine, or short-tailed weasels as they molt their summer colors and change their wardrobe into their winter camouflage of white. Check it out. Is the molt their pelage complete about this time of the first snow? Dog and cat owners are familiar with their pets growing thicker coats of hair in preparation for the chilly days of winter. After we watched red squirrels bomb our trails with spruce cones all winter, we knew they'd be back to harvest and cache them in their food pantries. Another side of wild creatures preparing for winter are the hooking and clicking of bull moose battling across meadows. This not only determines mating order, but it helps moose scrape away the velvet from their antlers. Even the insect pest on my apple tree prepares for winter in a manner cleverer than most creatures. The leaf roller cocoons itself by wrapping the edge of a leaf around itself like a thick green quilt. Several moths and butterflies have also adapted to the same strategy by suspending themselves in a web. Ladybugs, which are imported by some gardeners, die after the first freeze, for they're not indigenous to Alaska. Beavers are busy gathering fresh cottonwood branches and piling them underwater so that when the pond freezes over, their watery refrigerator has a good supply of food to last all winter. Beavers are endowed with lips that close behind their incisors, enabling them to chew underwater. This is Daisy Debitter hoping that you take time to observe our wild animals preparing for winter. That is Daisy Lee Bitter from 2009. I'm Kathleen Gustafson, and you have been listening to The Coffee Table's Happy Birthday, Daisy Lee. Daisy Lee, you have been such an inspiration to me and obviously to everyone. Thank you so much for all that you contribute to this community. I wish I could have found your story. I'm still looking for it. I know I'll find it, of when the 64 earthquake happened and you and Conrad were driving to Seward to check on your property and that as you got closer and closer to Seward, the trees were just hanging with octopus and squid from the wave and they had all been caught in the trees and that as you, you told the story that as you drove in, you could see them festooned, I believe is the word that you used, that the trees were festooned with octopus and squid. I'm going to look for that one and keep it. Uh, so happy birthday, Daisy Lee. And this program will be put on 
kbbi.org. You'll be able to listen to it as a podcast or just on the website to click on. This is KBBI Homer AM 890 and K201AO Seward 88.1 FM.